0: Please pray with me. Holy Spirit, we come now uh, and we handle as a congregation and as a preacher uh, the holiest things in this scripture, Lord, this amazing act of salvation that is unfathomable and though prophesied, it was yet unforeseen. No one could have anticipated what you did for us. It is beyond our description, and it's even beyond our ability to explain. So Lord, would you please come now, and in spite of our ability to to unfold the depth of this mystery of salvation, Lord, would you please still open God's word and open our hearts, be in our spirit, Lord, be with that part of us that uh, has the ability to apprehend you, Lord God, and And if we can't understand it, at least help us feel it and know it, what you've done for us in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We ask it in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, everyone in that crowd that gathered for that first Palm Sunday thought they were going to crown a king, but Jesus knew that if he was going to enter into Jerusalem, he was about to die. If we were to go back to what would be the literary beginning in Matthew's telling of this account, back in Matthew 26, verse 2, the literary beginning of the Passion narrative, here is what we would hear Jesus say. This is how it begins. You know that after two days, the Passover is coming. And then he tells his disciples, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. So over and over in the Gospels, it's clear that Jesus knew he was going to die. Uh, I was in a class years ago, uh, actually it was with Stanley Harawas, and, and in that course, um, for some theological reason, which was obviously incorrect, uh, it was maintained that Jesus didn't know he was going to die. He didn't know he was going to die. Which, well, I guess that's true except for everything in the Bible. <laughs> uh, Jesus knew he was going to die. He knew he was going to die. He knew when who was going to be guilty of the events that would lead to his death he knew exactly how he was going to die he said he would be crucified and in matthew 20 right before the triumphal entry before what we began reading today uh right before we started this palm sunday this is what the gospel says in matthew 20 verse 17 and as jesus was going up to jerusalem he took the 12 disciples aside And he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. So right before his glorious triumphal entry that we celebrated this morning and immediately following it, Jesus is explicitly telling his disciples that he is going to suffer the supreme injustice. He will be humiliated, he will be tortured, and he will be killed. Now, we need to recognize, even because, and probably particularly because we're modern readers of the scriptures, we, we have something, I would call it a sensibility or, or a, a sense of irony as we read things. And it's actually a, a form of, uh, uh, of literary expression. You know, something is ironic in literature. But in the ancient world, irony, irony was not a developed sensibility. It was not a developed sensibility in the ancient world. But how painful, nevertheless, how painfully ironic The shouts of acclaim and the praises, the jubilation, and the waving of palm branches all must have seemed to Jesus in his humanity as he knew where that palm-strewn street would lead as he entered into Jerusalem. So yes, Jesus also foretold his resurrection in conjunction with foretelling his passion, but the knowledge of his death, please, this is critical. Uh, Okay, let me tell you how, how I know this is true, all right? We say almost every Sunday in the Nicene Creed, we believe that we are going to be raised again. We believe that in the resurrection of the dead and, and Jesus is going to reign forever. We believe that stuff. And yet we all know we will face our own moment of death. And, and many people, even though we're, we're believers, we still approach that moment with a great deal of dread. No less did Jesus, even though he knew he would be raised, even though he knew that he would be victorious in the Father's great plan, Jesus knew that he was going to die, and his knowledge of his death was no less terrifying, no less terrifying than our knowledge of our own deaths. And in that light, you need to see where Jesus, this is so important, we need to see where Jesus, in this passage, what we heard today, where did he really fight the battle that would usher in our salvation. It wasn't in front of the Sanhedrin. It wasn't in front of Pilate. It wasn't even on the cross. It was fought. This is so important. Jesus' battle was fought where humanity's first battle was fought and lost in the garden. For Jesus, the battle was fought and won in the garden of Gethsemane. Listen to what it says in Matthew 26. We hear the travail, the battle here. Matthew 26, verse 37, And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even unto death. Remain here and watch with me. Comrades, stand by me in my hour of battle. Going a little further, he fell down on his face and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. The first blood that Jesus shed for our redemption was not at Pilate's whipping post. It wasn't when they mashed that crown of thorns down on his brow. It wasn't when the nails pierced his hands and feet as they fixed him to the cross. No, the first blood that Jesus shed for our salvation was in the garden. In Luke's gospel, it says, And being in agony in the garden, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Here is the point. The knowledge of his coming death was no less terrifying to Jesus than the knowledge of our own death is to us. In fact, his horror exceeds ours because he did not just have to face the pain of death, the shame of death, the ending of his bodily life. He also faced the fact that he would be taking upon himself the penalty for humanity's sin. The cup Jesus is praying about, the cup the Father offered Jesus, was the cup of God's wrath. That we read about in the chapter right before chapter 52 of Isaiah, here's we we hear about the cup of God's wrath in Isaiah 51. Jesus knew that he was that he wasn't just going to die, he was going to be, as we heard this morning, crushed. He would be crushed for our iniquities in his death. CJ Mahaney writes, knowing The hour for his death is fast approaching. Jesus has come to the garden in need as never before of his father's comfort and strength. Instead, hell, utter separation from God, is thrust in his face. It is because of his great love for the father and his great love for us that Jesus has accepted God's will in the garden in spite of the terror. I love what... Charles Spurgeon said, he says this, listen, he took, Jesus took the cup in both his hands and he drank damnation dry. He took the cup in both his hands and he drank damnation dry. He did that so that now when you and I are united to Jesus Christ through faith and in the waters of holy baptism, there is there is nothing left in the cup of God's wrath for you and me. There's nothing left for us. And in its place, Jesus offers us the cup of his salvation. The cup of salvation. Right here at his table. So from the time Jesus left the garden until he offered up his cry of dereliction and he gave up his spirit on the cross Past that moment of travail in the garden, Jesus retains his composure and peace because he knew he was fulfilling the Father's father's sovereign plan of love for sinners like me and like you. He was in control and at peace before the Sanhedrin. He was in control and at peace before Pilate. He was beaten and scourged and mocked, mocked, and he never lost his composure. As he was nailed to the cross, he retained his peace. He forgave his persecutors. He even offered the repentant criminal on the cross beside him eternal life. Today you will be with me in paradise. So in the face of terror, Jesus trusted the Father's will. And so here's what I want to ask us this morning, brothers and sisters. Are you facing a Gethsemane moment in your life? Just let that sink in. Does the world around you present you with a sense of looming fear. Because we are united to Jesus as believers, we can, even in the face of terror, trust the Father's will in our Garden of Gethsemane moment. In fact, in that moment, we are united to Jesus in a very powerful way. Jesus fought his battle in the same way that you and I will fight our battle, our battle with suffering, and the only way is in prayer. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, the writer of Hebrews says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. That's the only way we're going to face the suffering that will inevitably come into our lives if we will walk the way of the cross with Jesus. Western Christians like me and you are shocked that we should have to suffer. Our whole, It seems that our whole society is built on at least the avoidance of suffering, and if we can't alleviate suffering, we can at least be entertained in the midst of it. Of it. But Holy Week reminds us, reminds us that for uh, those of us who live now in the between times, between the resurrection and his second coming, part of being united to Jesus, part of being united to Christ... You can't get away from this. Part of participating in Christ is to be united in his sufferings so that we can also partake of his glory, Romans eight seventeen. So beginning today and through this week, we are reminded that to follow Jesus is to follow the one who went not up to joy, but first he suffered pain and entered not into glory before he was crucified. And by his mighty work on the cross, and yes, anticipating his great glorious resurrection, may God mercifully grant that we, walking in the way of the cross with Jesus, may find it none other than the way of life and peace through Jesus Christ, our Lord.